0: And Pebble Beach is always a good time. Now, we have our work cut out for us this week because who knows what we're going to get with the weather. So it's going to be tough, to say the least, but it's going to be fun. And anyone who knows golf or follows along and knows Pebble Beach knows it's a beautiful course. So there's going to be a lot of fun, but our bets are challenged having to figure out how we're going to navigate this over the next four days. However, we have good news to help us navigate it. We brought back the big guns this week. As you all know,
1: see ya. Welcome back. How you doing? I'm good. Feels good, by the way. Like, the chat is, is noticing I'm in here. They, they seem to be happy. I don't know if you all put them up to that. Can I just say, though, like, happy to be back. Like, I'll try to make it for the Phoenix Open next week. I've, I've told you all, like, my schedule's been kind of weird. Uh, like, a, a lot of stuff going on. But I'm trying to make every show I possibly can. Can I just say, though, it's gotten to a point where we need to acknowledge what David Bileski is doing at Wind Daily and just in golf in particular. He's, he, he, he doesn't know I'm going to say this and it's just I'm just going to take 10 seconds like we, we see I, I recognize it in discord earlier. People are recognizing just being attached to David in terms of his, his golf acumen on the on the World Tour and on the PGA Tour. Uh, it is extremely profitable. So just a quick shout out to David, 125 to one on Pavon. And by the way, you you all know I was a part of last week's show, but I was in the chat. I was listening to last week's show. I was, I was trying to help draft the team. When I heard the Pavon uh, analysis, it was like two and a half minutes that David went in and I put him in a couple of lineups myself. I didn't bet the 125 to one because I just stuck with my outrights like a complete idiot. But the long and short of it is, congratulations to you. Everybody's recognizing it now, which I absolutely love. And I'm just happy to be a part of this this whole thing with Tee Off Sports, with Draftmaster Flex, and with Deep Dive Golf. Let's go. I love it. I love
0: it. Great hit last week, David. If you've been following the show, I'll be honest, it happened to me. I didn't know who Pavan was three weeks ago, but he started coming, making mentions on our show three weeks ago. He came up. By the time last week came, David was all over him, obviously. He was on my radar, mainly because David was been drafting him for three weeks and then he was playing well, and then I knew who he was. But the point being is, yes, David is incredible. He'll, he'll have hits like this. He'll have more of them as the year goes on. But there will also be times where he picks a guy and he's playing a lot that like gets the top five and the top ten. Mm-hmm. And just following the show, following these picks, you're getting, you get to follow the trends of these guys, especially now that we're losing more guys to live. You're going to see more guys pop up like this and having better results and it's gonna be a bit of a change of the tide on the tour. Mm-hmm. And the first people to get to are the people who are gonna make the most money. So you come watch our show, you follow along, you'll be a part of the crew, which is why this show works so well. David, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm good, man, and and just uh humbled with uh with all the praise and, and shout-outs that's that's really kind. and you know I just um, yeah taken I guess a bit of my love for the DP world Tour and it came through in a big way obviously last week. Shout out to Spence as well who's was on Pavon the week before and it wasn't necessarily a course that I, I loved in that um, but thought it was really good for the Tory Pines as I spoke about pretty extensively um, on the show ahead of the farmers, um, just given his performance on some really long tracks on the DP world tour that if you don't have that knowledge, which I know a lot of people don't follow the DP World tour, certainly not to the the extent that I do um a lot of people aren't going to have that out there and then putting that out at sort of like three and a half percent ownership from a dfs point of view and then obviously the 125 one or or longer depending how many places you took in the betting markets um was was awesome to see him see him get the job down but yeah it'd been coming for a while right like we'd had we'd had basically the the likely winner over the last sort of like three holes at every tournament this year, we'd had Figala and Spieth at the Century. At the Sony Open, we'd had Henley and Putnam and GRIO all in the top ten. Henley probably should have won there. And then Sam Burns probably should have won the American Express until we had two double bogeys on his last two holes, and Nick Dunlap um, snatched it. So it was coming for a while, and i um, just extremely pleased that it was someone who was paying 125 to one because that just makes it even sweeter.
0: So sweet it is. 125 is a big hit. You know, it's an interesting trend we're seeing this season. It does seem that more long charts are coming through, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there are reasons behind that, that we can certainly break down as the show goes on. But before we do, Spitz, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing great. I think you said a very interesting thing, Joel, at the beginning of this. It's from a game theory perspective, all these players leaving to live, and and obviously we're in the midst right now of these course rotations every single week. Uh, weather is going to come into play. I think when you listen to the show, you get a lot of that deep dive knowledge. Uh, no pun intended, I guess there, David, that, that comes into the mix though, from all the plays that we talk about on this show. And I mean, it's been a very successful season all the way across the board from, uh, all three of us and Sia who is just crushing it in everything that he is doing himself. So it's been, I think this is a very great show knowledge wise.
0: And, that, and that's been the case. If you follow along, you know, while we, I would say are pretty hot right now. We typically have a lot of hot streaks. And so you want to follow the hot when you can. If you follow along last year, there was plenty of times where we were um, hitting weeks in a row on winners and having lineups that were cashing in in every tournament. So follow along, come in for the ride. I always said I've been saying this from day one, and especially in golf DFS, it is critical to follow along every week. If you follow along every week, you will then have knowledge of which guys are trending in the right direction, and you'll be able to make those picks. It's hard to dive in in the middle of the season because it's hard to have the feel for which guys have been playing well the last couple of weeks and who's trending and how you want to plug guys in at different prices and things like that. Now, as I was teasing in the beginning of the show, Spence, you especially, you have your work cut out for you this week, you have plenty of data on Pebble Beach to look at, but how are you going to navigate the course along with there's a second course I'll be playing one day at, and the extreme weather.
3: Yeah. I I mean, I think for anybody who follows this tournament, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, so I don't want to get too much into this. It's usually played on three courses from Thursday to Sunday. I'm going to note that this year you're going to get rid of Monterey Peninsula from the mix throughout the entire duration of the week. We're also going to see all the amateurs exit on the weekend when everything returns to Pebble beach for the final two rounds. So that's going to give us a 75, 25 split of Pebble beach versus spyglass hill. I think at its most basic level, and this is not necessarily a weather-induced answer here, but Spyglass is the more difficult of the two venues. On any given day, it's going to play a half shot to two shots more challenging. I will say I don't know how true that's going to necessarily be this year. I'd like to see where the weather comes into play on Thursday and Friday because we are looking at a course with much better tree line protection versus that wide open coastal approach that you're going to get at Pebble. Although, you know, you may get that edge that comes to fruition a little bit earlier in the week when the field is going to rotate between those two venues, those amateur partners being into the mix. Like you can only make it so challenging. You're going to have pace of play out the ass problem. If you try to put these pin locations with problems. So it's going to be easier the first two days. It's going to get very difficult on the weekend. Pin locations are going to get more challenging. And this weather like Sunday right now, the wind is, is wild you can go look at that and, I've seen gusts as high as 50, 60 miles per hour. So we'll see if the tournament plays on Sunday. That's always one of my concerns. This could be a 54-hole event. This could finish on Monday. There's a lot of things that come into the mix there. But if we're looking at Pebble in a nutshell, you're going to club down off the tee. There's a lot of forced layups. So one of the reasons we see over a 12% increase in expected approach play between 0 to 125 yards. I'm pretty much looking for golfers who can handle a POA green complex. I do think there's some level of this being a pitch and putt contest from within 125 yards. And then really it just comes down to that factor that I talked about of around the green play. If the winds pick up, how do you play in a windy condition? If this goes sideways on Saturday and Sunday, I think this could really be an interesting event from both a the game theory perspective, when we look at ownership and just the expected returns that we're going to get with the weather that's in the forecast.
0: Totally. And if you guys recall, I don't think it was last year, maybe two years ago, there were some really high winds at this tournament. And there was those ridiculous footage of like balls that were just like blown off the green because the wind was so high they couldn't even control where they were going. So let's hope it's not like that because that's just absurd. Uh, but this is that course. And this is the type of weather you can get because of its location um, and things of that nature. Before we move on, a big congratulations is in order. To the audience on an excellent draft last week, even though David drafted Pavone, the audience still won and had a great draft, a great roster. Um, and this is why this show works because even though we're the experts and we draft great teams, the audience comes up and they draft great teams every week, too, that are just as competitive as ours. Um, and the insights, the way you guys collaborate, is amazing. And not only that. After your win, you have your fearless leader, Sia, helping the draft with you. We'll pull the draft board up now as a friendly reminder. In case anyone is new to the show tonight, uh, we're doing a snake draft. That is the draft cast. It works like any fantasy football draft you would have. While I explain the rules, audience, since you won, I'll let one of you go ahead and pick the order. The first person to put an order in the chat is what the order is going to be. So someone put an order they want. That's what we're going to roll with. Um with that, we're going to go snake style one through four. The fourth person will go twice like a snake and go back around like your fantasy football draft. The big caveat here is you do need to stay within a draft king salary. So you can't just take all the best players. You have to draft accordingly to ensure that you can afford all the players in your lineup. Audience, we are going to need someone to put an order in so we can get this uh, draft going. The first person to put an order is where we're going to go with. Zach, appreciate you.
1: We're going to go wow. David, audience. Wow. David, did that vote. just happen? Well, Zach's the only one who stepped up, so like I can't even criticize that. But you just gave David the first pick. Wow. All right. Japan backed it. Clocked
0: in. David, without further ado, you're on clock.
2: I'm over the moon that that just happened because um, we were talking in the WinDaily Daily Sports Discord before this show. And everyone was giving me a hard time because my lineup, despite having Pavon, was five of six. I actually, I thought I was remembering incorrectly, but I'd tipped Patrick Rogers within my betting tips last week and he finished ninth. And I thought that um, I had him in my DFS team. And I was incredibly disappointed because I knew that I was very likely going to lose this first pick. And I think Zach has made a a dreadful error in judgment by giving it to me because (laughs) there's one guy this week that I absolutely love I'm somewhat convinced he's going to win this tournament. Um, And it's Max Homer at 9,300. Max has an excellent record at this tournament. We're seeing kind of with these signature events that the guys who have, out of choice, gone to some of these tournaments and played them anyway, rather than now being forced to add them to the schedule. Max Homer um, ticks that box. He's got an excellent record here. He's had three top 15s. What really appeals to me, though, is the weather that we're going to face this week. It's going to be extremely wet. It's going to be extremely windy i expect that it's probably going to be a 54 hole tournament i'll throw that out there that i think that it, there's a very real chance that it could drop down to just 54 holes um but where's max homer one he's won at the Wells Fargo championship in 2022 in extremely wet conditions he won the 2022 fortnite championship in extremely wet conditions of his pga tour victories only one has been higher has been lower than minus 16. it's generally in that minus eight to minus 16 range where he gets his wins that's exactly what I kind of expect this week it just seems like everything is absolutely lining up to Max Homer playing at home in California we know how good he is there with the number of wins he's had in the state as well I just think he's an excellent excellent bet and I'm not afraid to say he was my favorite on my betting card I think I'd say that quite openly because this is the advantage of being in the WinDaily Discord is you would have got that price on Monday when I tipped him at 22 to 1. You're lucky if you're finding him at 15 to 1 or 16 to 1 now. So that's the advantage of getting into WinDaily. Tomorrow is actually the last day of our promos. So there's a special link in the in the chat there if you want to get first access to all of our betting tips um, before those prices move because 22 to 1 for Max Homer um, was extremely good value.
1: Ivan, Ivan jumps into the chat. and He says, no, David got home. A, it looks like Ivan got here late because otherwise he would have jumped in and picked a different draft order. But I got to be honest, Joel, can I just tell you, I'm excited about, I, I think you saw the chat. They're ready. They, they already have the pick and it's, it's who I would have gone with. So I, I'm curious to hear your take, Joel Spencer's take and David's take. I mean, we can address Max home if y'all want to, but I love Justin Thomas this week and I'm not a Justin Thomas guy. So if he fails me, I'll be not a Justin Thomas guy next week too. But this guy's trending in the right direction. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I love this pick. Spencer, any thoughts on JT this week?
3: Yeah, I I like JT a lot also. I, I just want to say one thing about Max Homa very quickly. If we wanted absolute chaos on this show, you guys should have given me the number 1 pick cuz I I did not know that David was going to go that route. I would have taken Max Homa and I think from just the sheer chaos that would have ensued from it would have been great content. Like just just we could have pulled clips from it, but fortunately, <laughs> we did not go that route. Um like like the Homa play a lot for all the reasons that David talked about, but I think this is a great spot for Justin Thomas where you know, there's a lot of players in that range with him and I'm not going to name names right now. We can talk about this a little bit deeper at the end of the show, but I think there's a lot of public support with some of these names that I don't necessarily agree with as much. And to me, JT is trending in the direction of being more popular, but even if he gets to that chalk range, I think he's good chalk this week. Like I agree with you, Sia, everything is, is trending in the right direction. And if you look a couple years ago, you want to talk about a a tournament with weather, look at that player's championship where he was on the wrong end of that weather draw and the performance he put together compared to the rest of his wave was insane. And I would not be shocked. Like you're going to have to find the right, the right, right wave to find success. But uh, I think Thomas's game is perfectly and ideally suited for a tournament like this.
1: Yeah. Joel, what are your thoughts on JT? You know, I think JT's a
0: polarizing figure right now. He's playing really well. He was really bad last year. And it's you know, you know, historically, he's a prestigious golfer. He's typically at the top. So um, I think people are rooting for his turnaround. It does seem like it's coming. I'm rooting for it. I want it to be coming. I think you made a really good point, Sia, about that tournament where it was terrible weather. And and or was it did Spencer just make that point where it was terrible weather? And he had that one day where he kind of went off. Um and I think I would be keeping that in mind, but I still have concerns about what I saw last year. And I think he hasn't proven it fully yet and we'll see where he goes. Um, my stance right now on GD is let's see where his ownership gets to. If he gets pretty high, I probably won't, won't come off of him. But if he stays in a reasonable ownership percentage, then I'll be playing some JT.
1: David, I got to ask you, because JT is is probably going to be one of my outrights. I like him in DFS, but, but you've been red hot and, if you're a no-go on JT, I got to second guess it at least a little bit before we get to Spencer's pick. Where are you at on JT?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think he's a really good good selection, and um, the the other round and combined with the the Players Championship, that was at um, Southern Hills of the PGA Championship, where he played really well in in extremely high wins that that Joel's kind of alluding to. the The other thing is the the content, concentration of approach buckets here because of all the cliffs and hazards, like you can't really out- overpower this golf course with driver and everyone ends up hitting these shots between 100 150 yards. Justin Thomas is one of the best in the game over the last 12 months in that particular range, despite the fact that he's had these troubles. He does really look like he's back. My one concern, if I was had just one concern, is that he's played Peeble beach twice. And so he's never really chosen to come here all that often. And so my question would be, is that just because of scheduling? Is it because it really like, he doesn't like the fit? He doesn't like the Poana greens? That would be my only question around it. But I I think that he's a solid play and I I, I'm quite happy to take him. I'll have exposure to him in DFS for sure.
1: All right. That's, that's good to hear. All right. I feel a little bit better about that. Uh, Spencer, your pick.
3: I'm going to go, and I know there's a lot of popularity around this, but I'm going to go with who I think is the most mispriced player on the board. Now that Max Homa is gone. I'm going to take Eric Cole at 7,300. I'm not going to put too much thought into his miscut last week. Like we are far enough into this run with him where My model has compiled enough data to feel like books or DFS sites or whatever we're looking at here is just off when it comes to his weekly pricing. Torrey Pines was always a course that would negatively affect his driving ability. That issue is going to get completely removed here with the short nature off the tee. And then the thing that I liked most is the trending data in my model. So as I always talk about, I run things as a weighted perspective to look at a course. So how does the strokes gain tee to green work specifically for Pebble Beach? He jumped inside the top five of my model and an expected performance there. So six top 20 finishes in his last nine starts. I I think this is a great bounce back opportunity for him. Even if the public looks to be on him, like this is a nice spot for Cole at a price tag to where he, in reality, in my opinion, should be $1,500 more than this.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I think there's a lot of good betting opportunities for Eric Cole, not just in the matchup market, or maybe if you want to throw an outright on him, but also in like the T20, T30, T40 markets. T30, he's minus 110. Uh, so if you have that market available, that seems like maybe, again, with only 80 people in this, tur- 80 golfers in this tournament, that might be the sweet spot uh, at minus 110 to take uh, Eric Cole. Joel, thoughts on Eric Cole? does seem like a bargain, which means he's going to be chalky, of course. Everybody should know that.
0: I love that pick, and for the same reasons that Spencer said, he seems just way underpriced for the way he's been playing and think he's just the best value on the board. Um, and we've said this before, this seems like one of those times where you just go ahead and eat the chalk and you find where it places other areas to get different to make sure your, your overall lineup isn't too chalky. But I think there's a lot of leverage in his price
1: here at this tournament. Fair enough. Uh, David, uh, real quick before we get to Joel's back-to-back picks, there are a lot of guys just from a DFS standpoint that are right next to Cole that are going to be like literally one fifth, his ownership. We don't have to get into those guys, but it, it, is Eric Cole worth it to you, knowing that he is, you know, the, the chalk in the seven K range.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's, he's like a very, very clear misprice. As Spence yeah. said, um, I have him about 13% ownership. I, only thing I'd really add is that he's from Palm Springs, um, California. So where he's born. So um, it's the Californian aspect as well to him. And um, I agree. Like the, the driver kind of, Gets taken out of play at Pebble Beach a lot just because fourth widest fairways on tour and you can't overpower it with driving distance. So that's kind of the recipe that's going to suit Cole. So you just are definitely going to need to be able to get different elsewhere because um, the the advantages is there's no cut event, but um, there is some condensed ownership around, isn't
1: there? Yeah,
0: uh, Joel, you got back-to-back picks here. All right, I'm going to start with my my favorite play. He does look a little bit chalky, which I'm surprised by. I didn't think he would be this chalky this week. I'm going to go with Victor Hovland. Um, I understand, you know, the concern with Hovland is going to be, is he going to struggle around the green? That's obviously his big weakness. Is that going to come come up here? I think my counter argument to that is he's probably the best when it comes to peppering small greens. And that's the opportunity he's going to have here at this course. And we've seen him at the end of last year make a turn where when he's in contention at these tournaments, I think early in his career – he wasn't really showing up in the big moment, and that changed. And he started kind of rising and playing great down the stretch. And I think we're—I think this is a year where we see Hovland make a jump. Where you know Rom's gone, I think he's going to now be competing with Scheffler and Rory for the Tourist top player. Um, and I think he has a great result this week. To be able to get him significantly cheaper than Scheffler and Rory, I think is, is a big advantage. And I'm going to pair him with in my second pick guy that I don't think will, will carry as much ownership, he's just playing really, really great golf right now, and that's Benny Ann. Um, I, I do think Benny Ann's a little high priced for what he normally does, but in his current form, he's playing so well. Um, I think he's just a better golfer right now than what we've historically seen. He deserves to be priced at 8K, and I think that results that we've been seeing is going to carry over to this week. So I'm, I'm buying Benny Ann right now because I think he will be more permanently in the 8K range as the season goes.
1: Yeah, Benny and I can't really decide on. I think I'm in on Victor Hovland. Spencer, how about you on these two? Yeses or nos on Hovland and Benny Ann?
3: I'll say yes to Ben on. I'm going to say no to Victor Hovland. I, and I think it's for the reason that Joel talked about. Um, I'm just going to be on the opposite side of it. And when you hear my next name, I'm going to take, there's the same concerns that are going to enter the mix here. Uh, and we can get to that in a second. But I just worry a little bit about Hovland and it makes natural sense why people are going to him. There's such a price decrease between Rory and Scheffler down to him that it's a natural, I think everybody had the same inclination early in the week that you can save salary going that route. But for me, there's soft pricing across the board. So I really don't mind paying up in those spots. I think they're better caliber players than Hovland, but I mean, we'll see. I never seem to get Hovland right for whatever that's worth.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well, it is your pick. I'm sure, like, listen, if, if uh, David wants to comment uh, after your next pick on, on Hovland or Benny and he certainly can. But let's go ahead and hear who you have after
3: Eric Cole. So I, I think this is a player that historically, when you look at the data, and, and I, I kind of made this argument for the Zozo that when he won the event, if that gives the clue of who this is, that the win play for him, stats go down. and And I didn't necessarily believe that to be the case. I know on his second round there, he blew up when the winds picked up it. And I understand that as I make this selection here, but I think Colin Morica was really tr- intriguing as a bounce back candidate here. We watched him miss in both directions off the tee last week. He missed the cut. He lost 1.9 shots to the field. That's not going to necessarily be ideal, but I think my argument that would go against that would be, he hasn't lost strokes and back-to-back starts off the tee since the 2021 BMW and tour championship events. Putter's, always a problem for him. We're talking about four consecutive tracked weeks of losing between 1.2 and 2.6 shots. You do have that Zozo tournament where he won that we don't necessarily have the return of the data there to point towards, but Poe has always been his best surface to find success on. He gets these random spike weeks that allow him to pop up on the board. I do see the ownership trending a little bit higher than I was anticipating it for him missing the cup, but uh, Top-ranked player in my model for weighted proximity and second-place grade for weighted scoring for this course. I think this is a perfect buy-low spot on Colin Morikawa.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Colin Morikawa is like one of those guys that people are either going to love to play him or hate to play him this week. Uh, David, I want to go to you as we see nominations come in for our next pick. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've got we've had Hoblin, Benion, and Colin Morikawa drafted since uh, you last spoke. Any of those guys fit the description that you're looking for in terms of being in your player pool?
2: What I'd say I'm, I'm on Benny Arn, right, like uh, the the confidence I lose in him is always with the putter. The two times that he's played here where strokes gained have been tracked, he's gained pretty well with a putter on people beach. So I, I'll put that out there. That I think it's a, it's a pretty sneaky pick. I think Joel's right that he's priced pretty high, and some people will avoid him because of that. It's like, do I really want to be paying 8K for – Benny Arn in this type of field. And soon as you know that the general public's betting that kind of way or or leaning that direction, um, I think it's pretty savvy. I'd probably reiterate the same concerns that Spence has, is that there seems to be this trend that Colin Murakawa tends to not play all that well in high winds. That's exactly what we expect to see this week. In saying that, I made that exact comment at the Zozo Championship when Spence took Kolomorikawa because it was going to be a really windy week and he won the tournament. So um, that, w- that would be my concern. He is very good from the key range of 100-150 yards.
1: All right. Uh, looks like team audience has made the pick. It's Ludwig. Um, we have three or four different pronunciations of the last name, but I believe it's Aubert. Uh Ludwig Ober. Uh, I, listen, I, I, this is an interesting pick cause I'm looking at his ownership and it's, it's not low, but it's, it's certainly I, like what I'm looking at is that Ludwig, maybe Victor, uh, Justin Thomas, maybe Colin Moore Like what I'm seeing is they're all sub 20%, 9,000 and above everybody else tends to be uh, more than 20%. So you're, you are getting some ownership leverage, I guess, at least off the people that are next to him. I, I think this is a pretty good pick. I, I haven't decided if I'm going to have him in my pool, but you know, you take one weapon away from him, but he's so good at everything else. So I I don't know. L- Ludwig, I'm going uh, – Joel, I'm going to go to you and then to David on this one. What are your thoughts on Ludwig for this tournament? I like him. I had him on my on my notice when I was looking at draft
0: in this draft. So I like him a lot. I think to your point, you do feel like you might be losing one of his biggest strengths. But to your point, he's way more than just a big hitter. This is a, yeah. this is a very good all-wrong offer. that just happens to also be a very good driver. I'm not going to go as far as to say he's as good. John Rom, that's you know outrageous at this point, but his game profile is similar in that you know John Rom kills the ball, but he's not just a driver, right? And that was just and that you you wouldn't not play John Rom in a course like this because you know you lose the benefit
1: of the drivers. I would think of it the
0: same way with him,
1: yeah. I I tend to agree with that, David. You got back to back picks. I don't know if you want to comment on, on Ludwig, but you got two picks regardless.
2: Yeah, I'm going to make a pretty bold call and say that I'm completely out on Ludwig this week. And the reason would be is that that approach range of 100 150 yards is by far his weakest approach range. He actually loses strokes to an average PGA Tour player within that range. Um, His percentage of good shots from 100 150 yards is only 5.9% um and he sits in like the bottom like 10 percent of the pga tour within that that particular bucket you just are going to end up having to hit all those shots and I, I agree on the comment that it kind of this course will take one of his strongest assets and his driver um out of the bag a little bit as well so um i'm probably a, a well i am i am a fade on um a this week um yeah back-to-back picks for me uh first of which i'll take adam hadwin Um, really good last time out when you saw him in the desert getting um, six of the American Express. I just really like the fact that he's played this um, multiple times previously, four occasions, gained in um, putting a big way in three of those. And he's got a 16th, an 18th, and a 39th back when this was a full field event. When he finished 16th, he also lost a ton of strokes putting here, and he's generally a very, very good putter, and he's putted well here previously as well. That just kind of speaks to the fact that he's excellent in that 100, um, 150-yard approach bucket, which is absolutely key to success this week for me um data golf also have ranked at 36 compared to his his world golf ranking of 47th and as i've mentioned previously on the show that's always a situation that i think is is right for some connections so i think he's he's very very good value um after that i'm going to go to christian zadenhout um look missed the cut at the farmers largely down to, to a lack of putter but the two tournaments that we've seen him back this year the american experience the farmers he's gaining in a really big way on approach this is right in his wheelhouse in terms of his key approach stats from 100 150 yards are very very good he's played this course once he finished 14th he also gained eight strokes putting that week and the fact that he's going to find success on these poanna greens on a on a in a tournament where a lot of people are going to be missing greens is really key for me i'm really focusing on that that putting and short, short game i expect here this week
1: excellent pick. oh by the way can i just announce we have a celebrity sighting in the chat have you all noticed We have none other than friend of the show, by the way, uh, degenerate 75, who has been somebody was asking, hey, when is he going to be on the draft cast? Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can make it next week. Uh, We'd love to have uh, you on the draft cast. But he's been on this draft cast uh, more than more than once. Uh, And uh, he's in the chat. And Zach Jeffers says a mother father is always lurking in the back. I absolutely love that. He gives him a shout out. I always support the homies. He says, Uh, speaking of supporting the homies, like there's a guy that. Japan is supporting that silent assassin is supporting that I really support but he's not our pick it appears that our pick is none other than Bo Hostler so uh listen I like first of all let me just say real quick about hadwin Hadwin is interesting leverage off of Eric Cole he's like right next to him I I think speaking of leverage you could play Cole with Hadwin not a lot of people are going to do that most likely but if you're looking for some of those guys next to Eric Cole that, that uh, pretty much everybody next to Eric Cole is like pretty low ownership comparatively so that's just something to think about. I've heard a lot of buzz about Bizay I think it was golf gambler early in the week and Byron uh, that were talking about him on Twitter. And I was talking with them about him. And then I, so I went and looked at his, his stuff. I mean, David, I, I think he's a great selection. I, I think he is really primed. The short game is there. The approach game seems really dialed in uh, really for once uh, kind of like see here. All right. Any thoughts on Bo Hossler? Spencer, I got to go to you on Bo Hossler. I, I'm never as in as much as people tend to be, especially in the last few months on Bo Hasler. I think he's got game. I don't know that this is the course for him personally. Where are you at on Bo Hasler?
3: I'm probably in on the last three picks that have been made. Um, I thought David's route was a, a kind of grabbed all the value down in that section. I was going to take Adam Hadwin, Was going to try to round this out with Christian Bizet now. So that's, that's three for three now, David. So congratulations there. You've done a very good job starting this build. Um, I'm not necessarily a hostler guy myself, but the trending form for him and the trending data has just been skyrocketing him up my model. Like, I think it's like legitimate, the results that we're seeing from him. And he's one of these players in 2024 that the sky is the limit for him. If he continues this with some of these, uh, these data points that I'm seeing. So I'm in on all three players. I think all three are savvy picks. Joel, in or out on Bo Hostler?
0: I had him in my lap also as one of my next picks. So I'm definitely, and I think the audience is doing a great job so far.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And for the record, he does have a good record here, 11th and third over his last two. So good point, Zach Jeffers. He is certainly appears to be a course fit based on how he's done over the last two years, at least. All right, Spencer. Uh, Okay, so I love what just happened. David stole some of your picks. You're like squirming in your seat a little bit. I got a Michael Jordan fist pump out of David Bileski there. So he stole some picks Yeah, Got anything left in the holster?
3: Well, the first name I was going to do before I came back with Hadwin is still on the board and there's going to be a lot of volatility with this play for the obvious reasons. We have not seen this player uh, really produce since October. There's nothing better than a 19th place finish during that time. But one of the things I found interesting is he jumped in my model for weighted strokes gain total over his past 24 rounds when I ran this data for Pebble Beach. So I am going to take Wyndham Clark, 7,400 here. He was by far the most significant difference I had from any golfer on the board. Uh, The high-end numbers continued looking very great for me. When we look into this fourth-place grade on the pitch and putt that I ran, the 15th-place rank for weighted scoring. As I said, very low floor, but the upside is there in my opinion. If he can put the pieces together, I don't think he's going to be very popular. I don't expect very many people to like this pick just with the form that we've seen, but uh, he's a name for me that is just too cheap at this point.
1: Joel, your thoughts?
0: Um, I think it's a good pick. Uh I'll be honest, he wasn't on my radar until Spence sent him, but for all the reasons Spence gave, I think he's interesting. There was a point last year where he was he got to a point where he was like, a top five priced golfer every week where he was playing so well. So um, to see him at 7,400 seems like a really good value.
1: What's interesting about the value too, is he's not really getting a lot of ownership. I mean, there's basically like four guys in the 7k range. Eric Cole's at the top of that chart, but there's like four guys in the 7k range that are somewhere between 10 and, you know, 18% or 12 and 18%. Uh, Certainly Wyndham Clark's not one of them. Uh, Adam Hadwin's not one of them. So these are really good uh, leverage plays for a relatively short field of 80 people. So, uh, I don't mind the Wyndham Clark pick. David, any thoughts on Wyndham Clark? I think he's going to be a, like a really controversial pick among people because we know what he, he's capable of. We just haven't seen a lot of it lately.
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting bounce spot, um, bounce back spot for him. What I would say is that he does – struggle in that key range at 100 to 150 yards Insane that he's one of the best in the world from 150 to 200 and whether with the winds, you know the there's going to be a little bit of um, variation and some volatility that comes with this week inherently because of the weather so I think it is an interesting spot where you can perhaps get a little bit different with someone like Wyndham I see him at about 7% at the moment in terms of ownership um, profile and in a condensed 80 man field that's really not all that much for someone who I think is objectively underpriced so I think he's a potentially a, a sneaky little little um play there and if he can just lay up to his number in terms of approach and get into that 150 200 yards I think it's potentially somewhere you could find some success the, the other thing I'll add about Hosler is he's another California guy as well so i just chucked that out there as well for, for people's information
1: yeah and I just took a second look at his short game uh numbers especially as of late and they are just so pristine I mean just absolutely perfect. So. uh my bad on that. Maybe he should be in my pool. But again, he's one of those guys in the 7K range that does uh, carry some ownership with him. All right, Joel, you got Victor Howland, You got Benny Yan. You got two picks. Who's next?
0: All right. Well, I'm going to stay in the 7K range here. I'm actually taking two guys that are the exact same price. So the first pick, I'm going to start with JT Poston. JT Poston, to me, a couple things. Current form, outstanding. If you want to find someone who's does excels in that 100 to 150-yard range, He's one of the best on tour. Um, if you combine those two things, you get a guy under 8K. Get, seeing JT Post and get a top 10 result wouldn't surprise me in the very least. I think it's a great value you can find in this field. And price at the same spot is Sahit Tagala. I think both these guys are giving you top 10 upside at under 8K. And if you want to think about like what we were saying about Obert, you know, Tagala's biggest weakness is his wild driver. Yeah, so that can hurt you if it's horrific. But if he just – He's been pretty good recently. If he can just keep it neutralized where he's not losing balls on this course, that shouldn't hurt him here. And his strengths, which are closer to the green and things like that, he can highlight. So I think he can play to his
1: strengths here and give us a really good result. You know there'll be plenty of upside with him as well. Spencer, I want to ask you. First of all, I think Poston is objectively a good play. Tell me if you disagree there. But Sahit Thegala is the guy that I think, again, almost like Wyndham Clark, people will just have a strong opinion one way or the other on him. Oh, your thoughts on both of these guys?
3: I'm, I don't want to say that I'm out on the gala because markets like the sharper markets would agree with Joel with this answer. There's been credible movement in a lot of areas and matchups. I saw the question, Cole over the gala minus 120. My model thinks there's a lot of value in that price there. I don't think the general market agrees with that sentiment. So, Maybe I am missing something with the gala that Joel sees in some of the sharper money that's moving things. Which, I mean, knowing Joel with his endless money that he has, it might be Joel moving all the prices here. But uh, I agree with you, Sia, on Poston. Like it, he's also just a name who's too cheap at this point. He's a legitimate whatever you want to call him. We'll, we'll make this very simple. He's a legitimate top thirty golfer in the world at this point, and mm-hmm. you could probably push that even higher.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, by the way, Moshe is the one who asked that call over Thigala question. Uh, let me just lob that real quick. Real quick, and just kind of like, do you like it or do you not like it? David, is it, would this be a stay away or would you lean call over Thigala or the opposite?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, I like Call over Thigala there. I think that's a, a pretty savvy bet. Um, of those two players, i probably prefer Poston, but I think I'm probably out of both in terms of my player pool this week. I'd rather like you can get keegan bradley at half the ownership of the poster this week and he's 200 cheaper and i think that with his ability and sort of wet weather and um and the winds i think that that would probably be a route i'd look to get a little bit different especially i've got some some pretty chalky guys in my lineup the moment already
1: all right spencer you're up next what you got
3: I don't know how I ended up with the two biggest chalk options of the seven thousand dollars range when I come on every single show. And I'm always like, I hate that range. I never buy into the chalk there. But uh, I like Denny McCarthy at seventy five hundred. great poa player, great in the wind. Think the price is too cheap. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time explaining it. But um, inside of the top fifteen of my model this week, yeah, I mean, a fourth and twelfth over his last two. Now, granted, this is this varies a
1: little bit because, you know, we don't have Monterey Peninsula, but clearly, Denny McCarthy, comfortable on this course. I haven't made a decision on Denny McCarthy. I haven't really given him a hard look. Joel, in or out on Denny?
0: I'm in. He was someone I was considering. I took him out of my draft pool right just a few minutes ago, but I'm definitely in on him and considering him. Seemed like a good course fit to me. Um, he should, you know, He's not the longest hitter. That shouldn't penalize him too much at this course. He's playing pretty well. I do think I prefer him a little bit more in cash than I would at GPP,
1: but I like Denny. All right, we're waiting on nominations for the audience pick. While we do that, David, uh, Denny McCarthy, yes or no?
2: Yeah, I really like his, his short game profile and exactly what Joel just said, that the, the drive is not so much of a disadvantage at Peeble Beach as it is at other destinations and he can lean on his short game um, in this kind of kind of weather, so I really like that. The other thing I'd like to mention while the audience decides on their, their final pick, which it looks like they've just done, um, is this comment from Ed, which we've failed – Miserably, we got too excited about 125 to one on Pavon. But let's not forget that the curse of making Joel's team on the PGA draft cast is back. He took Adrian Moronk. This always happens. And it's the, I'll give this to Joel, okay? It's never guys with like injury concerns that we know like something's going to happen. These just happen out of the blue. Joel drafts them, they withdraw. That's what happens. So shout out to Joel for bringing back the curse for 2024.
3: And this he this draft win. him and he goes to live all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a worse part. You're taking people off the tour and making him join another tour. <laughs> I mean, most of mine have just been withdrawing through injury. But, yeah, yeah, I, I hope I hope it's not the case this week. But it's probably safe just to avoid anyone I draft to make sure they don't withdraw into your laps in the tournament.
1: Well, uh, good news. The audience has picked a player. And you know what? I, I – there's there's a lot of guys that I like. I clearly have in my player pool. I I've talked about Justin Thomas. I'm gonna probably add Cbezz to my player pool. Uh, Max Homa, Eric Cole is gonna be in there. Kurt Kiyama, I just don't have an opinion on. So I, like that's the audience pick. Um, I, it's not that I mind the pick, but I just kind of want to go around the horn here uh, before we get to David's back-to-back picks. David, I'm gonna start with you since you have two picks to give us in just a second. In or out, Kurt Kiyama?
2: I'm personally out on Kiyama.
1: Spencer.
3: I think it's very close. I don't have a strong opinion either, See ya. I'm going to say, though, if you make me pick a side, I'll say in. Joel? I'm going to say out.
1: Yeah, it, 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 I'm going to phrase it like Spencer. If you make me pick a side, which my question set up just like that, I'm going to be out on Kurt Kitayama as well. It doesn't mean he can't succeed. doesn't mean he's not a good value with some upside, but I think I'm out on Yam. All right, David, we got back-to-back picks. You got Max Homa, Adam Hadwin, Christian Bezidenhout. Did I say that right, David? And now you got two picks. Oh, you're on mute. He doesn't know he's on mute yet. He still doesn't know. He's on mute. Oh, there we
2: go. There Sorry, we my go. apologies. room's not clear, is it? Oh,
1: okay, fair uh, enough. Sorry, just had someone
2: come in. Right. Yep. Um, so I'm going to go with um Xander here. I think that he's an excellent pick at the price that he's available um i chucked in the window they just got a little bit earlier that i think that um having a little speculation on a straight forecast max homer first and second at 201 um isn't the worst bet that you can make this week kind of seems like the kind of spot that zander could just suddenly backdoor a second place finish and then i'll combine that with um andrew putnam whereas his, his putting a short game stats really are going to sing out to me at this course he's got a really good record on Pebble beach as well um six in um, 2022 consistently driving um very well here and then his putting obviously comes to the fore. he's also really elevated his game on approach in the last kind of six months and particularly in that that wedge kind of range of 100 to 150 that i suspect that we'll find this week
1: putnam is very very interesting to me as a, there's a lot of really good in my opinion like 6k options maybe i think that because it's a no-cut event and i just want to like get lucky with some guys in that upper 6k range in particular but putnam's very interesting uh spencer your thought i mean it's hard to not like Xander. Let me ask it this way. Would Xander be in your player pool, Spencer?
3: So when I gave the answer about Victor Hovland in saying that there's just like places I would rather go, I obviously talked about moving up as one of the choices. I would rather play Xander. I think Xander's very intriguing for this tournament. Maybe that's the way to play Xander in one of those like exactest sort of markets to where, Xander can't win, and he comes in second place there, and maybe that's the natural way that this finishes. But um, I, I think Xander's very intriguing, and and here's the interesting thing: because there was the longest time, and I'm sure as you guys all remember, JT Xander no cut tournament, they would be like forty percent owned every single week, and now all of a sudden we've lost that narrative at some point, and people forget how good Xander actually is during these no cut events. So I think Xander is a very savvy pick this week.
1: Joel, any thoughts on Andrew Putnam, in or out?
0: You know, I think I don't love dipping that low into the 6K range. If I were going to, I like Putnam. He's one of the guys that I go in that range. But if I if I don't have to, I probably won't go there.
1: All right. Does that mean your builds are going to be largely, like, balanced? You're not going to go, like, Stars and Scrubs?
0: Yes. I, I think this week, for me, I want to be more balanced than Stars and Scrubs as much as I can. Um, and that includes, like, doing Hovland in, like, the low 8K range as opposed to doing Rory and
1: Scheffler. All right. Uh, well, I mentioned the Michael Jordan fist pump earlier from David when he stole one of Spencer's guys. Well, we got our own Jordan with the audience, and it's Jordan Spieth. So that's our pick. Not a very controversial pick. I totally get this pick. It makes sense. Love the love the history uh, here in particular. Uh, let me go to let me go around the horn here. Uh, S- Spencer, in or out on Jordan Spieth? Controversial. I'm gonna say out. All right, David, in or out on Jordan Spieth?
2: That, that is controversial because I mean, look, the objectively, the course history here is ridiculous and it looks like he's back to his best. Um, I, I was between Homer and Spieth for a little bit in terms of where my money was going on the betting card this week. The only reason it went to Homer was, won the weather, and um, just the price was a bit sharper around Homer because Spieth just opened so short. But I think objectively, he's a, he's a solid player this week for me.
1: Interesting. L- let me ask you this, David. Before I I get Joel's opinion on this, if it's rank the following four players in terms of win equity. Let's say in terms of let's let's say in terms of yeah, let's talk win equity. Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland.
2: Homa, Spieth, Thomas, Hovland.
1: Very interesting. All right, I'm glad I asked the question. Joel, uh, in or out on Jordan Spieth? I like Spieth. If I was ranking the four, he would. Probably be third on that list, but I still like him. All right, fair enough. All right, Spencer, it's your turn. You've
3: got Eric Cole, Colin Morikawa, Wyndham Clark, Danny McCarthy, and? I'm going to drop down in salary here and take a golfer that we've talked about so many times on this show, how they are better on a club down course. And and I think we've even seen that a little bit here with some of the results that he's put together. 14th place finish in 2021. I think he's a much better golfer at this stage of his career. I'm going to take Cameron Davis at 6,700. Very interesting, uh, Joel. Thoughts
1: on Cameron Davis? I like that. Would be my preferred play if I'm going down the 6,700 range. I like Davis there as a value. David, in or out on Cameron Davis?
2: I, what I'd say with, with Davis, I mean, he gains so many strokes at the the American Express Grand.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.
2: Um, course, but it's somewhat co- correlated in terms of the different courses that Pete I put together and what we can expect from people. Did finish 14th here um, in 2021, which is the last time around the track. The probably the most intriguing is that Ben Coley put him up this week. It's a he's a obviously a friend of the show and and um, personally as well on the on the Twitter sphere, and he's someone I have a huge amount of respect for in terms of um, his selections. He's put him forward this week as well, so um, there there could well be something there. All
1: right, that's very interesting. Shout out Ben Coley, friend of the show. Joel, you got back-to-back picks coming up to close out your team. Who's it going to be?
0: I'm going to start with Sam Burns here with my first pick. Um, Sam Burns tends to do well with the uh, proximity of 100 to 150. He's good with kind of avoiding disaster. He's on a really good form. He's under 9K. He has plenty of upside. Um, And the ownership looks more than reasonable. So there's plenty of reasons, plenty of upside that you can get with the Sam Burns pick, And I'm going to round out this roster with, with Brendan Todd. Um, I think we're all overlooking Brendan Todd. He's playing great golf. I mean, to many reasons we mentioned for other guys, you know, a guy who's not that long, one of his biggest weaknesses should be neutralized here on this course. Uh, but the biggest thing with Todd is, you know, we we've been talking about Todd for years. He's always been around, but he's just playing better right now than typically is. And I think people, because Todd's been around for so long, kind of just overlook him a little bit because, you know, he's just kind of a middling guy. But Todd's playing well. This is a good course fit. I like Todd a lot this week. I think he's he's a safe option for cash. He's
1: cheap enough. I also think he has enough upside to, to make your tournament laps as well. Inside the top 33 over his last four tournaments, and his last two here, second and 16th. I think he sizes up real well. He's one of my favorite guys, honestly, this week. Uh, David, your opinion on Brendan Todd. Did, that, did I overstate it? Did I oversell it? Did Joel oversell it, or do you like Brendan Todd as well?
2: I did really like Brennan Todd. I'm like I'm surprised that the ownership for Todd has got to where it's got. I'm getting nine percent, and so that that surprised me because I was kind of hoping he would be like a sneaky, chuck him into a few GPP lineups and get different kind of play because. I really like his wedge game, particularly, well, basically anything under 150 yards. He's one of the best on tour. Um, I like that his putting and, and short game aspects are really going to be important on these, um, well, the smaller greens on PGA Tour, averaging just 3- 3,500 square feet. Um, so I think I agree with Joel. I think he's the next in pick. I was just so surprised that his own should have gotten up to what I'm seeing at the moment. Um, obviously, Check into the, the Win Daily Discord, use that promo before it expires um, tomorrow in the description because um, Stephen, our ownership guy, just has some of the sharpest ownership numbers that I've ever seen um, for sure. So here will have an update of where Brendan Todd's um, ownership ends up at.
1: Again, yeah, this is quite the cliffhanger because I'm seeing ownership that is half of the ownership you're seeing. I'm seeing closer to four and a half, five percent. So Stephen will clarify that uh, in uh, Wind Daily Sports or at Wind Daily Sports. He puts it in the Discord. He puts it on WindDailySports.com. So we'll get the answers to that tomorrow. But hopefully, I, I don't think Brendan Todd's going to end up that high. I think we're going to probably see five, six percent tops personally. Uh, Spencer, you got one more pick to round out your team. Who's it going to be?
3: First off, I will convolute this this discussion. I have Brendan Todd at 10%, whatever oh. that is worth. I, I don't know where that's going to head, but uh, worth noting. Second, I do want to rank the four players that you asked about Sia. I would say Homa, Thomas, Hovland, Speeth. I like Spieth. I, I don't want to make it sound like this is something that I hate him. I just think he has the worst win equity when you're paying 22% ownership at a price tag that is very similar to everybody else. There's just places I would rather go there. Um, so that answers that second one. As far as my pick goes, I don't know if in show history we've ever gotten to the final pick and somebody's sitting here with $12,000. So um, it would be something if I decided to take Jason Day and just leave thousands of dollars, like just leave 3,600 on the board, go that route. Not going to do that though. I am going to take Rory McElroy. I know that there are a lot of people that are completely out on Rory this week. When I wrote my article over at Rotoballer, I think I had 10 people write me saying that that's the worst pick on the board. And I know he missed the cut here in 2018. I know that ownership's starting to trend in that direction. I think this 2024 is going to be the year of Rory. I I don't know exactly what that ends up meaning. Does he win a major? I don't know. I always fall for this trap at Augusta where every single year I think he's going to win the Masters and he always breaks my heart when I end up on him. But uh, I really, really like Rory this week. I I think this is a nice spot where... He is the deserving favorite on the board for a reason.
1: Another celebrity sighting in the chat. First of all, you're all celebrities. Thanks for being in here. But of course it's back nine bets, otherwise known as model Mani- maniac, otherwise known as Byron. He's got so many names. Um, He's in the chat. He's actually nominated a guy. Who do we have in here? Is it, is it Scott before Harmon? Did y'all break my heart? I can't tell who got locked here. So we got Harmon from silent. As- oh, okay. So it's Harmon, right? Did yeah. I get that right? I think it's Harmon from Silent Assassin and from Zach Jeffers. And then Byron came in with Adam Scott. All right. I like Brian Harmon. Y'all, I I like, nobody's talking about him, but I, I don't really understand. David, I'm going to kick this to you first. I don't understand the argument against Brian Harmon, especially when you're talking about this price. I'm taking a look at his ownership. It's getting up there to that 10% range as far as what I'm seeing. And it might, you know, be in somewhere between 8 and 12%. That's in an 80-man field. That That's nothing crazy. I just think he's he can get hot on approach. We know that. I mean, granted, his approach lately hasn't been great. The short game is great. We know in the elements he's great. Oh, by the way, can he win in a field like this? I mean, what was it, six months ago, seven months ago, the Open Championship, where he actually won? Uh, what's the argument against him, David?
2: Yeah, I mean, and... Going to that Open Championship victory, what was the weather like that week? You know, it was pouring with rain. It was incredibly windy, um, and he trounced the field. So I think he's a really savvy player. I'd say he's a different golfer to, I think, a lot of people just looking at his his course history here, which which isn't fam- fa- fabulous, right? Like, and he's played there five times, but he was a completely different golfer back then to what he is now, and, and all of those did come um, quite some time ago. Uh, so look, I, I do think that he's a, a pretty sappy play, and um, I'll just go straight into um, my pick if you're if you're ready. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll go Patrick Handley. I think that's pretty obvious with the salary that I've got there. I had a nervous moment when Jordan Spieth got take, got taken because if someone else had taken Patrick Handley at that point, I would have actually ended up in. The situation like Spence and having to leave about two thousand dollars on the table because everyone else in that kind of range has been taken. Um, this this really is just not from any great love thing Patrick Henley. It's more from a fact of I need to get a little bit different here. I've got the salary, and he is the lowest owned of anyone over ninety-one hundred. So um, getting a good discount and ownership there. I don't think he's looked the best that he ever has um, at the moment. But look, he's he's played here a lot. And he um, has never missed a cut. He's had three top tens and an 11th and a 21st as well. So third, fourth, last two years on this course. So if there's ever a bounce back spot, it could well be People Beach. And if I'm getting a massive ownership discount off the back of that, I'm quite happy to actually take him there. I, yes.
3: I just want to say one so. thing. very, We're very quickly to this. So I, I obviously knew David was going to take Cantlay, uh, just with the amount of salary he had left and who was on the board. I highly considered like the problem is I'm too competitive at my core that I couldn't get myself to do it. And I decided to go Rory, but I very much so considered taking Cantlay just to throw off the entire draft for David there. And I'm glad you it.
2: didn't. I mean, it would have been a good opportunity. Seeing as I did take, you see, I stole your first three picks with my first three picks. <laughs> so if there was ever a time for revenge, it was that. And then watch me take like SH Kim or something and leave four thousand dollars on the table. I
3: I very much was considering taking Xander also. Like I, I was going to round it out. I, I don't remember exactly where I was at. It was Xander and, I guess. Fleetwood maybe was the route I was going to go to finish it. And so like that was very much in play until you decided to take Xander. So uh, I don't know. I I didn't go that route. Didn't want to do it. I can't have you hitting Pavon on the show and then just like blatantly stealing the obvious pick that you're going to make. But uh, I did consider it, David. I just want you to know that.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, What, what's interesting is if you had taken Cantley, you would have left a few thousand on the table, which is normally like that's probably not something you should do and i'm not recommending it but if there was ever a tournament where you you want to leave more on the table make your lineup different make your lineup construction different by leaving i don't know 800 1200 even honestly like i i think in this like the the lineups i've built there have been times where i've like i haven't finalized any lineups but there have been times where i've had 1800 2000 left on the table And, and again if you took spencer's lineup you take out roy you put in patrick cantley how much does he leave on the table a ton so it's just, just something to consider that's that's one way to get different just go with your conviction and just don't be don't be beholden to the pricing so much so that your your construction of your lineup is not what you want it to be because you feel beholden to getting close to that 50,000 mark by the way it's crazy like soft pricing indeed Max homa Xander Shroffley Patrick Cantley all in the same lineup and none of the other three guys for for David like feel super puntish to me so i mean again soft pricing you can kind of do what you want so keep that in mind. Um, Joel, we don't have any first-round leaders out yet. I'm I'm so unimpressed with just the fact that, listen, it's Tuesday night. Like, what are we doing? Get it together. Should we just give out some matchups we like or like a, a finishing position we like before we wrap this show? Well, it, it's some. I guess there's
0: something weird going on with the two courses. I mean, they're probably going to break it up, the two first-round leaders. So if, if they've released some odds, you know, obviously get in Discord. Uh, we'll we'll put play some plays in there. While you're at it, a like button.
1: Give us a follow It goes a long way. Am um, I frozen? Everyone was free. You're frozen, but we can hear you. I'll, I'll take over for now while you um, while you unfreeze yourself. But let, So we don't have first-round leaders. So Spencer, I don't know if you have a matchup or, or like an or like a long shot or – Whatever you probably have a matchup.
3: Actually, you've already done better golf pod with Nick, right? Uh, we haven't recorded. I have done my Action Network show with uh, Roberto. We we went through on links and locks, and we talked about a lot of this. My, my favorite play of the week is Sung J M minus one twenty over Cameron Young. A lot of volatility to that play, but I'm just looking to take on Cameron Young in that spot. And I will throw out a, a another bet here for anybody to consider. I uh, another volatile wager. Wyndham Clark minus 114 over Corey Connors. There's just not a player in my model that has a lower floor on these POA greens than Connors does. I'm fine making him beat me. And it's kind of the same sentiment that I keep going back to every single time that I talk about this board from a betting perspective, like specifically from head to head wagers, I'm shooting for a little bit more upside just because we don't have that miscut equity. And it, it naturally helps when, Connors and Young and these players are fade candidates for me to begin with. So those would be the two plays I'll give that on here. By the way, good question from most. Do you know where those matchups are off the top of your head? Yeah, the Sungjae one was at Bet three six five, and then the Clark one was over at Bet Rivers.
1: By the way, tee times have dropped. This must have been just in the last hour while we were on. Now, first round leaders still aren't out. At least they're not out on the the books that I'm looking at right now. But they should. I would think now that tee times are out, maybe they'll they'll have. Maybe it'll be tomorrow morning, but that's good to know this. Just so everybody knows uh, this tournament starts at 1145 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. First one's out. Christian Bezadenhout, Hayden Buckley and Ben Griffin and Taylor Montgomery. Uh, Actually, there's there's a handful that are going out at 1145. Not just them. Ludwig and Rory go out uh, first as well. Uh, so keep that in mind. But uh, the matchup I'm going to give out, it's funny. Like, we're all targeting Cam Young, I guess, because on DraftKings, I, I, I like Sam Burns. This is one of my matchups. I'm going to bet Sam Burns minus 120. That's your boy, Joel. If you picked Sam Burns on your draft cast, I believe, over Cameron Young. I Listen, Sam Burns is playing pretty well. I mean, if you look at the metrics, I mean, you, you know, he kind of melted down recently uh, on a Sunday, but he's playing really well. I think he's a fine course fit. Cameron Young, you look at the metrics, like he just hasn't had his stuff together. I mean, you look at literally every... You know, any of the basic metrics, whether it's off the tee or approach around the green putting, like it's just, it, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not there yet. And I'll go ahead and take the minus 120 over Cam Young with Sam Burns. Uh, David, anything to offer in this market?
2: Yeah, so I've just got the one play. I, I, I'm i in on uh, fading Cam Young this week on both of those plays, with Sam Burns was nice bounce back spot for Sungjae. Um, I think that that's, that's pretty savvy. Sanjay broke my heart last week, missing the cut on the number, because um, I would have been 6-6 six six if it was not for that, um, including yeah. having Pavon as the winner. So it literally cost me thousands of dollars, Sanjay last week. Brutal. So I would have to just uh, put that aside and, and forgive him, especially in that matchup against Young. But um, for me, I've got Xander um, um over... Victor Hovland um, for the tournament. where you can get that if you have Bet365 at plus 100. Um, So he's the underdog in that market. And um, if you were over on MGM, you can get it at minus 111. But MGM doesn't... doesn't pay out tie, so if it's a tie, it's void, basically, it counts as a push, so um, whereas B365, the tie's are lost. so that's that's part of the reason for the difference in those numbers. Um, I just just like the all-round game for Schofle, I like him in this kind of weather, um, I still have some concern about um, the chipping from Hovland, especially because he's fired his chipping coach, despite getting massive improvements in chipping, which mm-hmm. still makes no sense to me, I have no idea why he's made that move, um, separating from Joe Mayo, but um, quite happy to take Xander in that spot, and the other one, um, off the back of the show, I, I do really like Benny Arn, and you can get him over Jason Day, Spencer. Shut your ears, um, over at DraftKings at minus one thirty. You can take um, Benny Arn to to beat Jason Day over the course of the tournament.
1: By the way, the I know your Xander play was at Bet three six five. I believe at plus one hundred. Was it? Was that what it what was at?
2: Plus one hundred at Bet three six five, and then at MGM, it's minus one eleven.
1: I was going to say, if you don't have any of those two, it's at a worse number at DraftKings. It's minus 120, but it's that's not a crazy bad number, not a crazy bad difference. But obviously, if you can shop your lines and you're on, you're on Bet365, you're on BetMGM and DraftKings, the best number you're going to get is Bet365. But just so you know, that matchup is on DraftKings. All right, Joel, you got to close the show for us, but I don't know if you have a, a matchup or a finishing position to give out as well. Well,
0: I'm going to take Cam Young to win the tournament. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) I'm just
0: kidding. I'm just kidding. I got two plays I'm going to to give out for everyone. I'm not going to match up. I'm going to go top 30. I just want to bet on these guys. I think they're going to give you a good result. Both guys I drafted. I like Brandon Todd, top 30. You get him at plus 125 on DraftKings. I also like to hit the gala at plus 115. Uh, That's a wrap for tonight. Like I was saying before when I froze, give us a follow. Hit the like button. We'll post these lineups. Let us know who you think is going to win. You are going to crown a winner next week. Good luck this week. See it. Am I forgetting anything?
1: Well, we forgot first-round leaders only because there aren't any present. We'll put those in Discord. But, oh, there was one other thing. Oh, my gosh. How could we forget? Sports.